Daily Coast's The Brief, our weekly show about politics. Here, we'll discuss the issues that are driving the news as we fight for a more progressive America. I am Marcos Molitsis, the founder of Daily Coast, and your co-host, along with senior political writer Carrie Ellaveld. If you want to join the conversation, we record the podcast live on YouTube and Facebook every Tuesday at 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. I am Marcos Molitsis. I'm here with Carrie Ellaveld. Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Coast, The Brief, our weekly show about politics. Uh, to uh, to we are go up Pennsylvania. If you've been tuning in these last couple of weeks, we've been talking to on the ground organizers in key 2022 states, states that will make the difference. Whether it's the Senate race, the control of the Senate after 2022, or even races where there is implications for the 2024 presidential election. And since these are all battleground states, we, we, we visited with North Carolina, with uh, uh, Michigan, today Pennsylvania. Clearly everything has 2024 connotations. But as we've been discovering, as we talk to these on-the-ground organizers, there's also a lot at stake at the state level. So, Carrie, welcome back. So happy to see you. I'm glad you and your family are back and healthy and back to the land of the living. It's it's good to be back. I must say, it's good to be back. We were we were down for for a couple of weeks with some nasty something. It wasn't COVID. We took a lot of tests, uh, but whatever it was, it was not enjoyable. I'll say that. So, uh, but anyway, here I am. I'm back. I'm ready to go. I'm happy to be and, taking part. So, you know, you know, when 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 you see anti-vaxxers, and not to distract from the core focus of the show, we'll get to that in a second. But when anti-vaxxers say things like "COVID is no worse than the flu," it makes me wonder if they've had the flu because it's <laughs> freaking miserable. It is miserable. It can be terrible. I mean, we didn't even have the flu. We had something respiratory, but it was. They tested us for the flu. They, te- I mean, we just got all sorts of tests and whatever it was, it was nasty. I mean, you know, it was rough go. We were all down. So anyway, but here we are. I'm, I'm back. Family's they- running. I'd say 90, 90%. <laughs> we'll take that for now. So oh, that's awesome. Welcome. So today we're going to be talking about Pennsylvania. And so let me sort of lay a little bit, of, uh, provide a little context about Pennsylvania. We all know it's a battleground state. We all know it's, 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 toughly contested every year. I think people may not realize how closely contested it is and just how traumatic the Democratic victory in 2020 was in Pennsylvania. Because it blew my... Carrie, I'm going to admit it. When I was digging through some numbers in preparation for the show, even I hadn't realized uh, just how dramatic our victory in Pennsylvania was. So here's sort of the lay of the land. So Donald Trump won Pennsylvania in 2016 by 44,000 votes. That was a margin of 0.7%. That one hurt. Remember, it hurt. (laughs) Still too soon. There were a lot lot of things that hurt in 2016. (laughs) But yeah, Pennsylvania hurt. Joe Biden won the state by 80,555 votes in 2020. 1.2%, right? Razor thin. Razor thin. Here's the crazy part, though. Trump got 407,000 more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016. He almost half a million more votes from 2016 to 2017. That's That was over 15% increase in his base of support. So one, do, we can say like... Any of, do you think any of those voters were dead people? Do you think they were... <laughs> did he... <laughs> Oh, are we going to start asking for recounts? Is that a case of major fraud or? No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. 
So, I mean, obviously, I still don't understand how people could watch Donald Trump for four years and go, yeah, yeah, now I'm going to vote for the first time and I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. That's my dude. I still can't understand that. But that's that 15% increase after he won in 2016. In a normal conventional year, that would have been enough for Donald Trump to win. And we told the story. It's the exact same story in Georgia, in Michigan, uh, in Arizona, right, where Donald Trump gets 15, 20 percent more votes uh, from 2016 to 2020. And yet somehow Democrats win because we turned out even more new voters. And in Pennsylvania, it was 532,000 more votes. That is just it's mind boggling. I mean, when you when you think about it, that's a million more voters when you when you put Republicans and Democrats together. I mean, Democrats won that race alone, but that's just an unbelievable, you know, increase in in voters in Pennsylvania. It was from about six million voters to about seven million voters in four years. And so when you look at the top line, you think, oh, okay. Trump barely won it, you know, by 0.7 and, oh, Biden barely won it by 1.2. It's just a very mild swing because it's such a swing state that really obscures the fact that there was a massive get out the vote effort from both sides that was wildly successful. So as we look to 2022, we, the big questions are, is that Trump vote still going to turn out and vote? Are we going to get a lot of those first-time voters to turn out and vote. And so 2022 is not going to be it's not going to be a question of let's convince people that you know Democrats should take control of the Senate or not. It really is going to come down to do each of the sides get their respective basis to turn out and vote. And there's going to be drop off. I'm going to I'm going to throw what, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. There's going to be drop off. No, I'm I'm, I'm sh- I'm sure There's nothing gonna... like cutting you off mid-sentence, Marcos. It just feels like <laughs> power to me. No, I'm kidding. So I, but I, I am going to challenge this narrative just slightly, just a slight, not really a challenge, a slight tweak. Is that one of the remaining questions, too, is whether the, the you know, defections of the suburbs from being a GOP base to being more democratically oriented also matters. So do we get out those young voters, but do we continue to attract some of those? It's less persuasion, but that's the element is still slightly there. I think because the suburbs have made such a difference in Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Anyway. Yeah. So now, you know, going on further laying this, this, this sort of playing field is that there are open seats in the governor's race, which is currently held by a Democrat, and in the Senate, which is currently held by a Republican. We have a 50-50 Senate. Every battleground race is in a battleground state. Control of the Senate is not assured for Democrats. In fact, there's a real, very real possibility we may lose it. But there's also a very real possibility we may win three plus three plus four seats. If everything goes well, we we have a mansion and cinema proof majority in the Senate. If things don't go so well, we either may have status quo, more 50-50, you know, and Joe Manchin and cinema for another two years, or we may actually lose control of the Senate. It is on a razor's edge. And Pennsylvania is one of our best opportunities because it's an open seat, one of our best opportunities to pick up a seat from the Republicans. In the governor's race, this is very important because in 2010, 
uh, Republicans had the trifecta. They had everything. So they were able to enact one of the most aggressive gerrymanders in the entire country, and they've had big legislative majorities as a result. And there's been some tweaking by the courts, but they still have a pro-GOP. Now what we have, and, and we'll talk to our guest a little bit more about this because I'm assuming she's better versed on the topic than, than I am. But as I understand it right now, the, um, the, Repub- the governor, the Democratic governor, can veto the legislature's maps, which would then kick it to, um, to a judge. And odds are good that that judge will you know, draw a much more fair map than whatever the Republicans had in 2010 than what we have I now. assume so, that kicks to a straight state judge, right? The As I understand it, Democrats will want to kick it to a state judge because Democrats have a 5-2 majority, majority in the state Supreme Court. Republicans right. will want to kick it to a federal judge ah. because Republicans have a majority in the, in the U.S. Supreme Court, right? So, again, I'm not sure who wins that battle, and maybe maybe our guest has, has uh, uh, stuff to tell us about that. But what it does mean is that we have an opportunity – depending on what the maps are drawn, to actually have the trifecta. We can win the governorship. We can win the state legislature, which would, you know, everywhere we've done this, things wonderful things happen, including increased access to the ballot box. But we're starting to speculate a little bit here. Well, we have our guests available, so why don't we just bring her on, and then we can actually talk about these topics with her. So our guest today is Jamie Parapato. She is the executive director of Turn PA Blue, an organization dedicated to flipping the Pennsylvania state legislature by training and mobilizing grassroots groups and volunteers to support candidates in southeastern PA and presumably the rest of the state as well. Jamie. Yep. Hi, welcome. thank you so much for having me. Oh, my God. It's such a pleasure. Oh, we, I'm such a fan. I'm so excited to be here. We have been having such an amazing time talking to organizers on the ground. And and I want to take this opportunity, Jamie, just to remind everybody that funding and donating to organizations doing grassroots organizing on the ground at this stage of the game is the best political money you will ever, ever, ever donate. Nothing 100%. else comes close. Nothing 100%. else comes close. Everybody, you know, about couple of months before the election, everybody, you know, these campaigns are raising tens of millions of dollars. That money's just going into TV ads, it's being pissed away. It's wasted money. Money TV right ads now, aren't even going to air until like a year from now, you know, um, for a yeah, lot of Jamie, tell us what happens when people donate to Turn PA Blue and other organizations like you right now, early in the process. So what we at Turn Pay Blue do, we figure out where the gaps are and we try to fill them. You know, we have a massive amount of volunteers. Um, In 2020, we made 4.5 million calls. Uh, You know, once we were running a COVID election, which I suppose nobody expected, we were able to pivot and we were able to pivot quickly to take advantage of that. And I think that's the advantage of grassroots groups is that you are a part of the community or a part of the local organizing. So you know what, what it's like, you know, in some places, maybe you can canvas other places you cannot. And, and we talk to people and we, most importantly, we listen to people and we are able to mobilize super quickly where the work is needed. And that's kind of what we're doing. We're two weeks out uh, from an election here in Pennsylvania and we've got judges on the ballot. We've got Supreme court, two Commonwealth court seats, which is one of the few places that Trump won lawsuits in the country was our Commonwealth court, two seats. And we also have a superior court judge on the ballot. So, and all these local races, which are, you know, which are 
more important than anything else is building trust at the community level with these school boards that are getting brutalized and uh, county, you know, county races where if we lose control of the county, the Republicans will take control of the board of elections. So this is the year that less people want to pay attention. I feel like we're screaming into the wind. You know, there's a few of us dedicated folks working on 2021, a bunch of tumbleweeds rolling by, a ton of Republicans who are out spending 17 to 1 here in Planet Pennsylvania and uh, trying to put Trump judges on the court. So it's, it's now. If we don't do the work now, when we go to get these districts, uh, you know, to go through the courts or we try to, you know, protect our voting rights, we, somebody's going to wish they paid attention in 2021. And, and 2023 is the same. Those are the years that make or break us in the even years. In Can I just ask a quick question? Because sure. at the, you know, one of the things that I've been paying attention to, I mean, as well as many people across the country, are, are all these like um, board of Education meetings where people show up and there's a lot of really loud anti-masker, anti-vaxxer types and whatever. But then there's a bunch of people who are like, whoa, what's happening here? You know, this is crazy. Um, is that on the local level generating any more interest in some of the local elections that are happening than yes. you might think? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. It totally Tell me is. about it. Because, you know, everybody's focused on national politics. Like, no matter what happens, they want to talk about Biden. They want to talk about Trump. You know, we're still the highest engagement we still have in our socials, Pat Toomey, who's not even coming back. I mean, he's a horrible person and he's enjoyable to dislike. But, um, you know, we need to focus on other things. Everybody loves a villain. But now bringing politics home at the local level where you're, you know, just going about your daily life, watching the news and trying to figure out, you know, what's happening in the world. And all of a sudden you realize, who are these lunatics that live in my committee, uh, who live in my community? You know, we have school boards where in Bucks County, we had militia members that were coming to take all the open um, comment spots so that people could not take them. So they could just rant and rave at the school board. We had massive book bannings going on. I mean, people are amazed to realize that this stuff exists in their communities. And, and Bucks County is a major suburb, right? That's a big mm-hmm. gap for either party. Yeah, it's where we yeah. have, we still have a Republican in Congress, Brian Fitzpatrick, the so-called moderate, where there's no such thing as a moderate Republican, but I suppose that's like another podcast. But um, yeah, I mean, it's the thick of it. We're doing really well in the suburbs, but Bucks County is one of the collar counties. We still have a Republican in Congress. So um, I think that this is helping us thread the needle to un- people understand, you know, my spiel was always the elections that affect you most on a daily basis are the ones that people voted the least. You know, if, yeah. if you're, you don't like how you get a weird surcharge on your water or you hate how they take out your trash or remove your snow, like you're probably not voting in that election. That's the stuff that happens. And then you bring it up with judges when everybody's lamenting over Texas. We are Governor Wolf's pen away from being Texas here in Pennsylvania. We passed... Um, we passed a heartbeat bill twice and he vetoed it twice. We had a fetal remains bill that passed. That um, means women have to um, intern and get death certificates for their miscarriages. Like Pennsylvania is, you know, we are lucky to have this governor. I mean, people think we're in better shape because we do have a, a, a democratic governor, but you know, they try to find around it. You know, them. they, they mold into like different things. And now they're trying to um, legislate by constitutional amendment, which the governor cannot veto. So they're, you know, trying to pack all these amendments into every bill they can, most of which 
affect voting rights and and other things. And that's where it's coming on every side. But people are starting to realize, wow, this is happening at home. And they're engaged. So Republicans are like the COVID virus, right? It, it's, it, it's destructive and it keeps molding into something new uh, to evade countermeasures. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> what variant is that? I don't know if I'm going to say, but yeah. What's so, like? so one of your major focuses, you know, at Turn PA Blue, it's obviously the state legislature. And so we have a state legislate big elections coming up next year. We don't know what those lines look like yet. Could you tell us a little bit about the redistricting process and what are the chances that we may get maps that make the state legislature competitive? We are in a unique situation because we have an independent commission that is deciding the lines. So I feel like we already won because if we get fair lines, like I can't even imagine running on fair lines. We run on the worst lines ever. In 2018, we were 25,000 votes from flipping both chambers. Oh. That's the close war. I, I can't oh, even talk yeah. about it, especially knowing what 2020 It's like, yeah, it's, it's trigger alert. Uh, it hurts right here. It hurts. Yeah, I know. Please, I wake up about it. Um, you know. And so it was right there for us in 2018 and 2020 was definitely a lesson in the fact that, you know, these are a lot of these Republican voters are off the grid and we don't know if they're turning out or not. The one thing that I do take a little pleasure in is I follow all the Republican committees local. You know, we have to know what's going on the ground on the most micro local level or we can't help a top of the ticket. And um, they have you know, tortured the right to vote. They're torturous about vote by mail. They could not trash it enough. And we're crushing them in vote by mail. So I've seen them post on like Republican committee of Chester County. And they're like, get your vote by mail ballot. (laughs) How could you say that? That's why Trump lost. So their own people turn against them for vote by mail. So I do love it. I'm a horrible math person, but we have, I guess, 620,000 applications from Democrats and maybe the mid 150,000s for Republicans um, in a low turnout election like this, that could make or break it. And, you know, we just got vote by mail here. We got vote by mail for the for the 2020 primary. So we've had it for COVID primary where we were in the thick of it, like at June 2020. And then we had biggest turnout election ever in the history of time, vote by mail election. And then we had 2021 primary, which is the tumbleweed. No one cares, you know, um, except for a few key races around the state. So we really haven't had a chance to take this thing out for a drive, but the the indicating signs are, you know, it's popular. It's popular with Democrats. And And vote by mail is, you have to apply for it every year or once you get a vote by mail? You have to apply for it every year. If you get on the annual list, we like to make things super confusing in Pennsylvania. So if you're on the annual list, that doesn't mean you get a ballot every year. It means you get notification that you need to apply for your ballot every year. So needless to say, sometimes voters are confused. So um, I think that the Republicans regret giving us that, regret Act 77, because it was bipartisan. It was their bill. And uh, now they're trying everything they can to dismantle it. Let me just piggyback off of something you were talking about, which is, you know, watching the Republicans kind of tear each other apart on stuff like vote my mail. Oh, oh, this is this is Carrie's favorite thing to talk about. It is sweet, isn't it? It's so fun. (laughs) So what, one thing I'm wondering on a little bit of a macro, macro level is how much Trump is sort of pulling the party apart there. I mean, you know, he's already weighed in and endorsed uh, Army vet Sean Parnell for the U.S. Senate race. It doesn't seem like there was any vetting done. I mean, I'm not saying really? that Sean Parnell. Yeah, sorry. 
Well, we just had the gag order release on his PFA. So um, yeah, maybe there right. was vetting. There could have been vetting. We're like, we're going to go with the domestic abuser. He's worked for us in the past. May as well stick with what we know. But um, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, right. So there's that. And, and he's, you know, bullied the state legislature into doing this, one of these Arizona style audits that didn't work out so great in Arizona, by the way. But, you know, it, it, that, it seemed like your state, uh, the state Republicans were kind of avoiding that as of last year doing this audit. And then, you know, Trump went full on aggressive against, you know, Pennsylvania lawmakers, Wisconsin lawmakers. He's on a tear against Michigan lawmakers. Like what is his presence like there. He doesn't have this Twitter presence anymore, but he seems to be touching every piece of what's happening in Pennsylvania, from what I can tell. He has, you know, he has such an impact on that party that they have to appease the base. They have to appease Trump's base. And that's hard, like, because we've been taking out moderate. I, I have to air quote moderates. So every time I say moderate, yes. I'm and air quoting. Um, we've taken out the moderate Republicans, a lot of them in the South, we, Southeast. You know, we have 13 members of the House who uh, where Biden won that are held by Republicans. We have six seats held by Republicans where Biden won also in the Senate, state Senate. So, um, you know, there was some, some ticket splitting here, but you can see what's going on in their caucus. Like they're having a, you know, they're, you know, we just get slaughtered. We're, when we started, we were on the wrong side of the supermajority. Um, now, you know, we're still in the minority unless there's infighting. Um, you know, we really can't get anything to the floor. They don't even, we don't even know what's on the calendar. You know, it's trying to find out like, what are they going to go after this week? Are they going to mess with trans kids? Are they going to like cut healthcare? Like what's your flavor of evil of the week? Like we don't usually know until after it happens, but they're trying to appease their base knowing that Pennsylvania is I, I think the electeds in Pennsylvania are far Trumpier than the voters. So I think that's interesting to see hmm. what happens with them. At any times there's chaos. Um, it's great. And, and chaos is coming in the form of Senator Doug Mastriano, who's at the head of the fraudit. He likes to pride himself on he was at the White House with Trump when he found out he had COVID. You cannot make this up. Yeah. And it's Scott Perry. So they're insurrectionists, proud insurrectionists. And um He's been banned from his own caucus like they're they can't get him under control. And some of these people are so out there that it, it does create problems for them. So it's definitely fun to watch them struggle. Yeah. And, and the Senate Republicans are trying to get the voter information via subpoena of every voter, the personal information of every voter in the state. I mean, that audit is whatever is going on with that audit is crazy. So I mean, it's so, you know. cra- it's so crazy and it's so time consuming and wasteful, um, you know, but like the other, you know, the other hand, like who, who supports that? Nobody supports that the elections over. Nobody wants their personal information like broadcast us, certainly to the Republicans and to do what, to do what we've been through this like a million times. So, um, you know, it's just more chaos They're You know, they're not interested in governing. They're interested in furthering Trump's grudges, his ideology. You know, we have a large majority of the Pennsylvania population has received one shot. And I guess I'm terrible with numbers. I think we were about up to 70%. So people believe that COVID is real. People are taking precautions against it. Like this crazy nonsense, people are struggling here in Pennsylvania. We have a lot. Our minimum wage is still 725. We can't pass anything. You know, we had a bill that went through the legislature 
we, you know, we have no Equality Act. And even worse, there was they were dealing with some bill and the definition of obscenity included um, homosexuals. And one of the um, what well, this is not even fi- I, ah, but it was under the definition of obscenity. So the Democrat put an amendment and said, hey, can we at least remove homosexuals as obscenity? Failed. It failed. We couldn't even get the moderates to vote for it. Like it's bonkers, you know, and, and the harder they dig in, the less you know, they're not interested in governing. They're just not. I mean, we have a ton of problems here. We have a lot of the AR, you know, American Rescue Act funding that's tied up here because we can't get it out, you know, because the legislature refuses to move on it. So it, it's, you know, people are nothing, looking for government. Nothing. Nothing says forward leaning like debating the word homosexual. Anyway, I just have to say that. Yeah. I have so many questions, but every time you talk, like something else gets in the way. And I'm just so really curious when you're talking about how just out there this Republican legislature is. And earlier we alluded to sort of the changing suburbs. And that was a big factor in, in being able to win the state in 2020. Does this state level craziness have an impact on, you know, voters in the suburbs that may be, you know, sort of right leaning historically, but have been voting more and more democratic because of their higher education. Is that a factor or is the sort of state level stuff too under the radar for most people to see? Um, it's not under the radar anymore because it has made national news. Like Scott Perry was just in national. We're always in the national news. We're probably a ton on like, um, like talk shows and like getting mocked on like Jimmy Kimmel and stuff. I mean, like you're, that. No, you're no Florida, but no, worry. you're no Florida. Let's just say, but yeah, I mean, oh, I think only to- because Governor Wolf isn't Ron DeSantis, but anyway, sorry, go ahead. Saved by a Democrat. All right. right. Sorry. Like, I- run out of ink on that pen. So uh, that veto pen. So all the crazy stuff that comes by, we're like, what is that? What is that bill? Like who even heard of it? But yeah, I mean, it's, it's making national news. Like Doug Mastriano is forcing himself into the public eye. The, the feud between Jay Corman, I think Trump has been, I don't know where he talks now or he says mean stuff about people, but eventually it gets, maybe he tells a buddy and they like pass it along. But he has been um, going after Corman, who's a president of the Senate, uh, Republican, he, who's horrible. One of our state senators is a great clip that we should uh, talk about, which was Senator Katie Muth, who is one of our um, most progressive members of the Senate, was trying to save general assistance program where they're cutting, you know, taking these massive per diems, but cutting, I don't even know what it was, like the $50 or $20 they give. And she went toe-to-toe as Jake Corman screamed over her. You can find that clip screamed over her. Like every face of his is like this nasty, monstrous face. Um, There's no shame among them. They're not trying to pretend they're anything other than what they are. Um, Some of that stuff is tone deaf. I mean, you're just really talking about struggling people who do not want to waste their time on another over who won this election so let's say we get fair maps and you know we have the open governor's race there's no illusions at daily coast that next year it's going to be a tough year right mm-hmm. joe biden's numbers are, are dropping even more so in battleground states amongst independents uh you have a stymied agenda because of joe mansion and kirsten cinema it's creating a sense of malaise it almost starts feeling like the aca battle of 2010 and we're not quite there yet but the elements are there so i don't want any illusion that 2020 is our 2022 is gonna be an easy year but let's say that we do manage to win to retain the governorship and win the state legislature what would that mean both for pennsylvania and for 2024, the, the presidential election in 2024. 
I mean, the sweeping changes we can act could enact if we had the majority. Like I said, our minimum wage is seven twenty five an hour here in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, we are for a time there forty ninth. Uh, in the country, what it was of women representation, we were one of the highest in the country of education and equity, like the difference between the highest paid, uh, you know, per students per school district versus the low, you know, we're usually on every list. That's a bad list. Um, and we're on very few lists that are the good list. But one of the lists we're on that's a good list is vaccinations. Like people here want COVID behind them. COVID is the ish, top of the issue in all the polling. And then it kind of dovetails into education and jobs, which are essentially also related to COVID because our education system is our child care system in this, you know, in this country. There's no money here for, um, you know, they've been underfunding education in Pennsylvania, something horribly. And, and, and they took a hit in COVID and you could see the inequity in, in, in some of the places where they were not able to get up and running um, virtually. Infrastructure, passing infrastructure is vital here. I don't know how we go on past um, into 22 and beyond if we don't get an infrastructure bill. I mean, Pennsylvania is crumbling. I don't think they've passed an infrastructure bill and I don't know how, if ever, I mean, since we've had, I don't know, cars, I don't even know in the last time they have, you know, they don't, there's just no interest in governing. There's no interest in helping and helping people. It's this crazy circular ideology. Like I'm sure we're going to see another gun bill. I, w- I was on another, uh, another call and it was with somebody's like, so how close is Pennsylvania to, you know, passing common sense gun legislation? I started cracking up on the common sense gun legislation. We are more likely to get a gun for every baby, like upon their birth, than we are to get any sort of common sense gun legislation. There's no common sense, any kind of legislation here. And I think people are waking up to it because COVID kind of opened up people. It was like civics the hard way, because now you know what your school board does. Now you know, wow, I have a crazy governor. Oh, I got the good governor. You know, people didn't, I don't think they realized what their governor did and their county commissioners. And so it kind of, you know, pulled the curtain back to people see who they're governing by. And most people are like, holy crap, these people are crazy. So, um, you know, I think that in that sense, like hopefully they'll keep going. I hope that their nominee is as crazy and Trumpy as possible, like Governor Wolf's opponent in 2018, Scott Wagner, known for trying to, uh, wanted to beat people with his uh, golf shoe. I think it was the governor he wanted to be. I can't remember exactly. Who he, yeah, so he was a charmer. Um, but they're, but that's what they're like. They're just insane. So I don't know if their base can get anybody remotely reasonable through. I doubt it. If there's even any left. What, so let's get into some of these grassrootsy questions because yeah. there you are. Um, how did Democrats manage to turn out an extra 500,000 people or more than that, actually, in 2020 than in 2016? I mean, is that is partly vote by mail, maybe? What, what else? Vote by mail is a huge, a huge piece of it. Um, 70% of the votes... I mean, I have to double check the cast by, or no, 40% of the votes cast for Biden were by mail in Pennsylvania. People like it. Who, who knew that when you make voting accessible, people can vote. It's shocking. It's shocking. But that's what, and people were happy to have it. And it came at COVID, uh, during COVID at a time where people were worried about it. People love it. And I think, I think that was one piece of it. And, and it's, you know, here's the other top secret thing. You talk to voters. You don't talk to television screens. You don't have commercials that talk around people who, you know, who knows if they're using their Peloton when your five bazillion dollar commercial comes on. But, you know, when you're actually having a conversation with somebody that they are going to ask you their questions, you listen, you talk. And that's what we did. I mean, we 
you know, the extent we were able to knock, we did, but mostly we did phones and we did texting and people were responsive. They answered their phones. We did 4.5 million calls and listened. You know, we did amazing. My favorite program was this women to women phone bank. So we were basically, you know, asking women to volunteer, like you don't need to have a PhD in political science. You just need to care about this. This needs to be personal to you. And you need to call another woman, any place in Pennsylvania, urban, suburban, rural, and talk about why it matters to you and see what matters to them. And these are real, honest human conversations. You know, I was at an event this weekend when you cut a turf or you have a list, like those are human beings on the list. There are people who have their own lives. They could be taking care of, you know, their parents and their children, which a lot of people are doing now. There's people who have their own life and their own stories. They want to tell them they want to be heard. And that's what we have to do is listen to people. Do you feel like there was just to follow up on that real quick and then I'll shut up and Marcos can ask a question, but do you feel like there was a particular demographic or a particular area of Pennsylvania that was really responsive um, where you saw the registrations go up between 2016 and 2020? Well, voter registration is a problem here in Pennsylvania, and it continues to be. um, That is one issue. But I think one of the things that was the most impressive to me is the margins. Like these counties, a lot of the rural counties where, you know, it is uh, my favorite quote is there's nothing out here besides Republicans and land. And they showed up. They increased their margins. Like that's what put us over the top is these little places where that overperformed and worked their butts off to get this vote out and to make Democrats feel like they're not alone and that they were here. And, you know, they're painting barns and they're having signs and they're working. And that's what it is. If you look at these places, the purple and red places, that's what impressed me the most is the fact that, you know, People were a part of this. They wanted to be a part of it. And it it was everybody did their part. That's the thing that was amazing. We launched a big rural program. We started in the Southeast um, because that's where we live. And that's where most of the votes are right outside of the Philadelphia. We call the collar collar counties. Um, But, you know, as the need arose and nobody was doing the work, like we're statewide now, we're running the statewide vote by mail program for 2021. Uh, It is like being on a bucking Bronco because our DOS has, you know, infrastructure is not just roads and bridges. Infrastructure is how you operate all your systems. We've had huge problems with unemployment benefits. The Department of State is like woefully, you know, antique. I like to say it's like run on a speak and spell in a Commodore 64 with a dot matrix printer. Like it's just it's. You know, what we're dealing with infrastructure wise, as far as technology is terrible here. Um, But we managed to pull it off and and people care. People really, really care. And that's the thing. And and you can't forget that they're voters. These are people. You know, they're not just numbers. They're not just on your list. They're humans with human stories who want to hear what you have to say. But mostly they want to tell you what their concerns are and what they want to say. Uh, first of all, Carrie, you never have to shut up. And I don't even want to hear you suggest that I would ever want you to shut up. We are talking to Jamie Perpato of Turn PA Blue. Uh, her organization, as we just found out, is is in charge of all the vote by mail in program in Pennsylvania, a program that accounted for what, 40% of Joe Biden's vote. That's why it's so important at this point to support organizations that are doing this kind of work on the ground. This will matter more than anything you will ever donate to. I promise you, I promise you, this is better money than any other possible way you can can spend it in politics. Jamie, um, half a million, you know, uh, as we've been saying, half a million new voters turned out, at least half a million more voters turned out in 2016. 
I don't know. Do we know how many of those are new? I'm not sure. Presumably a lot of them. So the question is, how do we get them to turn out in 2022? What, what are you guys doing to try to reach out to these new voters, not the existing voters? We all know that once a voter votes a couple of times, it becomes sort of muscle memory. The well, that's what's exciting. That's what's super exciting is bleak it is it over here in Pennsylvania. Um, for the vote by mail program, we've been signing up voters. 50% of the people that we have signed up did not vote in 2019. 50%. Nice. Wow. So once again, the, uh, you know, silver bullet of making voting accessible makes people vote. Oh, my goodness. Like, who would have thought? And I think that's what's interesting. And, you know, we're trying to get people in the habit. We have new voters. You're in the habit. You have to vote twice a year, every year, twice a year, every year. And mail-in ballot helps you do that. helps you maintain remembering what it is. You know, I was with my friends this morning. Who thought the election was a week later than it was? And I'm like, oh, my God, you're my stupid friends, and you don't even know what it is. (laughs) But, um, you know, that's what it is. It's just it's just having more communication and talking to people on the ground. Like that's why these local races are important. You know, we had a lot of success with Biden at the top of the ticket, and I think a lot of that was driven by us at the bottom of the ticket. But it didn't fare well for us. I mean, we lost a seat in in the Senate and we broke even in the House. We didn't gain any ground despite having a robust field program. Like the House caucus and the Senate caucus did a, a great job, but it just didn't translate for us down at the ballot. And it's because people trust you know, what they know. And they're like, oh, this is a great constituent. He gives out candy at the parade. And we used to have parades. And, um, you know, every time there's a pothole, I call them and they fix it. Except for the fact that your good friend gets on a bus, you know, not a bus, a train to Harrisburg and votes for the most restrictive abortion bill in the country. And is like, you know, enacting bills to mess with trans kids, you know, whenever they get the, it, you know, it sort of suits their fancy. So it's disgusting. You know, it's disgusting what they do. And, and by trying to shine a light on the what is happening um, at the state legislature and putting Democrats in front of them at the local level that they can trust. This is my neighbor. You know, he's a Democrat. I've never voted for a Democrat, but my neighbor um, doesn't like seem to have horns or be giving out money to everybody on the side of the street or whatever else we do. We don't it's killing babies or whatever we're accused of doing, pedophilia. Wow, he looks awful normal. So these are your neighbors that are voting for these things. They're voting for families. They're voting for working people. They're voting for kids. And they, and they start to see that, you know, we're not the same because people say, oh, it's politics. Both sides are equally bad. Like, no, they're not. They're not. Not anymore. Um, not when you're backing white supremacists, you know, supremacists and, you know, fostering hate and, and trying to, you know, dismantle our democracy, which is the most frightening thing about it. And yeah. the pandemic. I mean, you know, this is what I keep That's that still happening. I thought we were over that. No, yeah, yeah, no, there's still, listen, there's still much to the pandemic and Republicans are trying to make it possible for more spread, more death and destruction. So, you know. So, Carrie, hold on once. I I just want to do a quick follow up here. Um, I'm really sort of struck by the fact that the vote by mail, even though it's not as as expansive as, say, Oregon, Washington, California, Colorado, even Utah, right, where you automatically get a ballot. It seems like it's this is a very big plus for Democrats, but it was passed on a bipartisan uh, basis because there's nothing inherently partisan about vote by mail. In fact, it was pioneered by Florida Republicans to make it easier for their older white base to turn out and vote without having because they're older and, and less mobile. So it was easier for them to to vote without having to stand in line at the polls. And and Trump has. First of all, they killed it in Florida, thanks to Trump. And it sounds like 
you have what should be a sort of great equalizer type of program in vote by mail. And Democrats are like, heck yeah, let's do it. And we're all in. And then there are the Republicans just completely undermining that tool as a way. So they have to not only put all their all their eggs in, a, in the election day basket, but then they also have to deal with the fact that their voters are older. It's harder for them to vote. Some of them may actually die before the election, before that, that vote gets cast. So there's so many ways that this can go wrong. And so I guess my question to you then is, is are, sta- are Republicans, you say that the state party is actually trying to push against this and running up against the wall with their constituents. Is that what's happening? Yeah. I mean, I've seen on social, like if a county party is like, don't forget the last day to sign up for your mail-in ballot is October 26th. And you'll see like, when I see like 171 comments or something, I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to read all these. <laughs> They're like living They're How could you even say that? How could you even suggest that we vote by mail? Because before we had vote by mail, we have a very restrictive absentee ballot program, which it had to be a health concern and you had to provide, you know, notation from your doctor or you had to be out of the district um, and sign and, you know, attest that you were not going to be in the district that day, which, you know, anybody who's traveling last minute for work or who does shift work or, you know, whatever happens, um, you know, they, they might not have access to the polls. So this is just, you know, it makes people have access. You can get your ballot, you can go in, apply for your ballot, fill it in right there and hand it right back. And uh, and people want to vote. It's just making it accessible for people to do so. So they have painted themselves in a corner with vote, with vote by mail, which is why every single thing they do is trying to dismantle it here in Pennsylvania. They thought the big get was we had to give up um, straight ticket voting. So we used to, you used to be able to top, just tick the box and you voted for everybody. So we gave that up. I do think it had some out of an effect on us down ballot in 2020, but um, you know, that that's a Trump election. There's a lot of things to say about how that was. That was all about him, but yeah, they have painted themselves into a corner and also like the mistrust of government. So they are, un, you know, by dismantling, you know, the government, which is what they want to do. I mean, you could even say like the tea party screwed up as they were, they were at least trying to function within our existing democracy and do their weird stuff that way. But now they want to dismantle the entirety of the government. So they're getting to the point where their people, you know, believe all of these crazy conspiracy theories that they hear. You know, we have a lot of Pennsylvania that doesn't have broadband. So these are people that are sitting there with Fox News being indoctrinated all the time. And what kind of opposing viewpoints do they hear? You know, so you know, it's a really mixed bag here. And and like I said, they really have shot themselves in the foot with this vote by mail thing because it is it is wonderful for us i mean you know these are we're reaching new voters and 50 percent did not vote in 2019 that's i mean these are small margins especially 21 that's the judges that's not even the control of the counties because that's the other thing in pennsylvania i'm sure i don't know if it's like this everywhere but the majority the majority in the county controls the board of elections. So when the Democrats are the majority, we make voting accessible. We have drop boxes, we have extended hours, there's like voter protection. They try to do all of these things to make voting um, easier for people. And then in the case of Republicans, they can play games where they delay the ballots going out. And a lot of them have drop boxes, but it's in the board of elections that's only open at the same time as the board of elections. So I guess you can avoid standing in line um, at inside your board of elections, but they don't have that. Sadly, we have some situations with Democrats who are not holding up their end of the bargain. I think one of the things that worries me most about 21, Allegheny County, this is the western part of the state, uh, Pittsburgh, 
They have, they love to vote by mail in Allegheny County and they love judges. And at the last time I looked, which I don't even know if I've slept in days, but whatever day that was, it was like 127,000 of this, of the 600,000 were, were uh, applications by people in Allegheny County whose ballots went out late. They just started going out Thursday and they have no drop boxes and our democratic County executive in a very, you know, Biden won by 20 points, I think, in Allegheny County, said we have drop boxes on every count corner. They're called mailboxes. Oh, and no. this is a Democrat. Oh, so no. we have to hold everybody accountable because this is not. And if, you know, for those keeping score in the home, his name is Ritz Fitzgerald. So you can give him a call and tell him that we don't <laughs> like vote suppressing voters on our side or any side. But that's the thing. The access to vote is the key to this. If our voters cannot vote, that is the problem. And they're restricting access to their own voters by just, you know, by creating chaos around the the electoral system. People are voting because they don't think their vote matters. And I hope they've gone so far over the edge that, you know, their voters are like, what's the point? It's fixed anyway. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows what brand of crazy is is going through there now? In that vein, there was a there was a. You know, after the Georgia Senate runoffs where there was depressed turnout among uh, Republican voters, uh, specifically Trump voters, actually, and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution did an analysis of the voter rolls. And what and 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 Marcos and I were DMing about it recently because I linked to it in an article. And he said, look at this voter here. I mean, this voter literally said, hey, you know, why even vote? They said that my vote didn't count and things got changed. So why would I even vote? I didn't vote in the Senate runoffs, you know, and, and you, you know, you really like it turns out if you tell all your voters that the system is a sham, like maybe they're not going to get, you know, they're going to divest from the system you know i mean it's like okay i mean well. it seems like an odd strategy to tell people their vote doesn't matter when you're trying to get their vote um i don't understand they're jet you know they definitely all fox us a lot so maybe something i'm missing here but like you know that's what it is and it's 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 democracy on the ballot and you know voters think we're dramatic they're like oh the democrats again they're complaining that democracy we're gonna lose our country this is for real like this is for reals you know like this is um you know the longest standing democracy there is and, and eroding away people's rights that they don't really even pay attention to it's terrifying i'm terrified about the boards of elections because we help with the voter protection team um we have a new director for voter protection she's fantastic she's trying to get up and running Quickly to answer voter questions for 2021, we want everybody to be able to vote. You know, we we go above and beyond. Our volunteers go above and beyond. My organizing director was exhausted today because she couldn't sleep because she wanted to quality control all the drop boxes locations because they weren't right on any of the websites. So she was up all night doing that. Like our volunteers care, you know, and, and that's what our piece is. When I say we bring in the community, we're a constant. We don't go away. We're here for every special election. We're here for like the magistrate races. We're here for the school boards. We're here for the top of the ticket. Um, we have relationships with local committees. We find out what do they need? What do you guys want to do? How can we help? Uh, and, and and that's what we do. So we have this coalition of people and we have great volunteers from out of state. We have a dedicated base of volunteers that alternates between us and Virginia. They're with Virginia right now. I'm glad they are. Um, and they come back to us and they understand the importance of it. People who will deal with voter protection and who will call our voters. And we're calling voters who had problems with their with their mail-in ballots and problems voting last time, saying, what was the problem? How did you come you didn't get your ballot back? How can we best help you? Do you think it's better for you to go to the polls or we can offer you assistance, you know, getting someone to help you with your ballot? So, um, you know, that's what it is, just making people accessible. And 
uh, you know, that that's kind of what we're working. People really, they're, and Democrats are partisan for a change. That's the thing yeah. that's amusing me is we're like, I don't even care. Just tell me what to do. You know, <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you need me to do? You know, like, just go to the Democrats. That's it. Like, <laughs> should I vote so- there? Are there, are there a couple of websites, and it could be your own, but that you suggest people going to if they're confused about when to vote or what you know what the basics are of, of the next election, et cetera? We have a voting center on our website that we're constantly working on updating, and we are, you know, it, it's constantly changing because all the counties control their own um you know, the, you know, the voting. So that's What's on your web Instagram. address. Yeah. What's so on social address? media, we have the voter protection hotline. We've been texting voters regarding reminding them to return their ballots. And that's kind of turned into an exercise in voter protection. We had a big brouhaha about stamps. Like some people had to have two stamps and, you know, my bougie County paid for the postage. So, um, you know, it's just a lot of confusion. This is like three States like squished together, three States that have nothing to do with one another squished together. Mm-hmm. What are these States problem. called? I don't know. States of confusion, chaos. <laughs> uh, yeah. Regression. What, your, I don't know. What's what's your web address? What's your, what's the uh, burnpablue.org. And on there, you can find all the ways you can opportunity, uh, all the opportunities to um, volunteer. So we have text banking, we have phone banking. Uh, and these phone banking are due to landlines and older voters. Like we have an amazing contact rate. You know, they're slow. We go through the process and we're patient with everybody. We're canvassing, which is so fun to be back out in the world again. And, you know, whatever we can do in the off years, we educate and train people. And that, and that's the, the, you know, the point of our organization is we want to be here all the time. So we know, you know, you have somewhere to go and, and we train our volunteers. They're smart. They're dedicated. They, this means something to them. It's personal. We don't want anybody to ever try to volunteer and not have the opportunity. And, and it can be daunting. Now, not that like people who are involved in politics get a little snooty with their opinions and things like that. People are scared. They're scared they don't know enough. Oh, I couldn't possibly canvas because I don't know enough. You don't need to know enough. You need to care. And you need to tell your story to other people who probably have a similar story to you. And that's all it is. And we want to make political volunteering accessible to people so that they don't feel, you know, that, that it's not something for them because it's something for everybody. And that's who we need. We don't need all the experts at the doors. We need regular people who are telling personal stories. Yeah, you made a great point earlier that, that, yeah, okay, it's the most important election again, you know, but it really is, right? Once upon a time, it was a debate between more taxes and more government services and less taxes for billionaires. And that was the end of it, right? Now we're really fighting. Remember them? Yeah, this is now a fight for our democracy. It legitimately is. And there's no hyperbole in, in saying that. And it's effing terrifying that it matters so much. It's not a question of, of whether social security is going to be properly funded anymore. This is, this really cuts to the core of what we are and who we are as a nation. That's why donating to organizations like turn PA blue is so incredibly important and gratifying. And look, you're, 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 you're helping support people that are engaged in their democracy and are, and are making calls and knocking on doors and getting people to vote by mail. This is incredibly important work. Don't waste your money by donating a campaign that will spend it on TV ads. Uh, there's plenty of, they, they'll get that money. And I've not personally seen a TV ad in like five years. Uh, Unless someone I, emails uh, it to me or texts it to me. I don't, I mean, it's very easy to avoid. Yeah. No, absolutely. So we're we're running close to the end of the show. So I do want to ask you before we go, we we have an open Senate race in Pennsylvania. This is going to be the the only path for a mansion and cinema proof Senate runs through Pennsylvania. How are you feeling about that open Senate race? 
Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of things have to fall into place. I mean, I think one of the benefits that we have is we do not have a contested primary in our governor's race. So our attorney general, Josh Shapiro, is running for governor. And so we don't have to wait for the primary to be over to start work. We can start work. We started work this weekend, as a matter of fact. And uh, the other thing that's incredible about Josh is Josh has held office at every level of government. So working with somebody who is, you know, a good person and is good at politics and understands why we need to win our count, you know, our local commissioner races all the way up to the top. And it's just, it's, it's fantastic. So we actually get a jump on it with the governor's race. So we get to go to work already without a primary. And then by the time the primary unfolds, um, you know, we'll, we'll have, we'll be able to move, you know, we'll be able to move. Closer. The primary. Yeah. I mean the primary. Yeah. Right. And, um, so, you know, we have four, you know, four great candidates. I don't know. You know, I'm always amazed what Pennsylvania thinks. And, um, you know, can we, you know, we, we, you know, go back and forth on that all the time as to who's going to come out of it. And you can see it a million different ways. I don't know. But I, I think we're in good shape because I think that the message that we're sending as Democrats is message that, that we're, we're trying to work for people. We're working for the American people and the people of Pennsylvania. And they're doing crazy nonsense. Like, we don't have time for crazy nonsense. Everybody's tired. Everybody wants to go back to the cruddy life they had in 2019. You know, like, that's what you're looking for. I'm like, I just want it to be as crappy as 2019. <laughs> You know, I, I joke, but there's people suffering here. I mean, this it's needless. It is needless what happens in Pennsylvania. There just is no reason for it to be governed the way it is. And thank God for Governor Wolf and his veto pen, because we would be in way worse shape. Like, we'd be just right alongside with Texas, no doubt. As far as I can tell, Republicans do have some, you know, top tier candidates in the governor's race, but nothing in the Senate race. Is that true? Is It, it looks like a bunch of... No, well, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Like some of them, like I would love to bring like Lou Barletta back. I really did enjoy that the first time we ran against Lou Barletta because he's crazy and not, I mean, he's a terrible candidate also. So I don't know. I mean, it's just a matter of how much power the base has and how far to the right they're going to push their nominee. I mean, the, the crazier they are, the better it is for us. I'll tell you that. I mean, that, as I mentioned earlier, Trump's endorsed Sean Parnell. And, the, you know, that is going to be a messy race because you were talking about the gag order on, you know, there was some sort of restraining order or whatever. Yeah, against so the him, custody but, hearing, there was a PFA issued in the case and he wanted a gag order. Uh, hey, yeah, what, right. is a, what is a PFA? Uh, protection from abuse order. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so we, restraining but, order is a clue. Right, by, by his wife, by his wife, his, wife, his ex, ex-wife. And he doesn't uh, want his so, wife to talk about it, but his wife right. seems quite interested. So that's right. chaos. You know, that's their side of the aisle. I don't know what they do with that now. Right. That's chaos. And they're already in one of one of his GOP opponents is already trying to, you know, make that a big issue. Right. So that's going to be a messy, messy primary on the right for the Senate seat, for the open Senate seat. And if they be down on their primaries, that only helps us. Like I said, in this 2021 year with the judicials on the ballot, we um, hold the majority in the Supreme Court. So when the redistricting fights go up to the Supreme Court, we have judges that are interested in fair maps. So, um, you know, once we get through the independent commission, it goes to court, we should be fine so far as we're trying to get rid of the gerrymander, which is not even legal, um, especially the way they do it. But you know, they're, they're fighting us every, every step of the way. And and we're getting outspent 17 to one right now. So the more they spend down the better. I know they print money, like it's nothing in their evil, uh, you know, their evil castle or whatever they do. I don't know how they get it. Evil money tree. I don't know, but they just seem to have way more of it than we do most of the time. So 
Jamie Parapato turned PA blue. I, that's all the time we have. Unfortunately, that was so amazing. And I do hope you we can bring you back. Thanks so much for having me. I love it. I love oh, this. Was, I'm so excited to be here. So this thanks was great. for joining us. And I can't tell that you haven't slept in days because you were you're <laughs> really hilarious. So, yeah. so uh, um, I'm glad you had that energy, and I do have I do hope that you have a chance to sleep at some point here. Wake me when we have new districts and an infrastructure bill. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Jimmy Pareda, turn PA blue. I, I hope we've made a good, strong case why it's important to support organizations like Turn PA Blue that are doing the on the ground organizing and infrastructure building that campaigns. Don't, that's not their job. That's not what they do. They're there to promote a single person, not to engage people and build a base of support and the infrastructure to support not just the one candidate, but all Democrats, all progressives. Absolutely. And build a bench. Absolutely. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank it's you. Thanks so much. Carrie, um, I know this is the first one that that um, that you've been able to do because you you know you and your family were out sick. But I, I always feel at the end of each one of these, it's like so energizing to talk to these people oh, that are doing the most amazing work. That I just can't I can't even begin to to express my gratitude for them existing and appreciation for what they do. Yeah. And so and in every in every word that she said, you could just see you know, the dedication of her and her team to trying to like maximize every, you know, minute they have before these, uh, these, you know, these, these judge races in the next, in the next uh, couple of weeks. So, you know, you can see the dedication. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that I'm not going to donate to candidates because, you know, Stacey Abrams is going to run. I'm definitely donating to Val Demings. I mean, we, 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 I'm not saying don't donate to candidates, especially the great ones. I think you did say that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I'm amending. I am amending <laughs> myself. But I, I actually say, if you have a limited amount of money, these organizations, uh, like We the People of Michigan and Turn PA Blue and the North Carolina Black Alliance, these organizations that we're talking to, and organizations in you know your backyards. It doesn't have to be one of these. There are groups doing this kind of work everywhere, and they're chronically underfunded, underappreciated. People don't really focus on them, but their work is what campaigns can then build upon. Their work is what creates a list that of half, uh, you know, 250,000 new vote-by-mail people that then they can go out and they can solicit again and make sure that they vote-by-mail again. That's what makes that possible. And so it, it's easier for the Stacey Abrams and Val Demings. And you know what, Carrie? And we're almost out of time. But Stacey Abrams actually is almost a perfect example. She ran for governor, came up short, likely because of some shenanigan Republicans. But she came up short. And instead of just, okay, I'm going to wait for the next election, she set out to build the infrastructure. That's what Stacey Abrams sort of you, you know, give her the Nobel Peace Prize because that was her real accomplishment. It wasn't running and almost winning. But building the infrastructure that allowed that allowed John Ossoff to win and allowed Joe Biden to win and allowed Raphael Warnock to win. And if all goes well, will allow her to win the governor's race next year. So that is what these organizations do. And unfortunately, they don't all have a Stacey Abrams at the top who is charismatic and nationally well known that can raise the big bucks. Yeah. So that's why I'm excited this was your idea, Carrie, to really shine a spotlight on these groups doing this kind of important critical work on the ground in these battleground races that will decide control of the Senate next year and will have an impact on 2024 because voting rights, voting restrictions, all those things are decided at the state level, like all our guests have been explaining. 
right? And I just want to add one thing, which is this is the whole reason we did this series is that dollar for dollar, every dollar that you give is worth so much more to these organizations than what than anything you donate in terms of you know for, to, to the candidates next year and, and what kind of spending they do. And this is this is really this is building the bones of. A democratic infrastructure in every state. So that's why we did this. It's the whole reason we did this is to get some donations flowing to some of these grassroots groups that were doing the hard work. Yep. Carrie, that is our show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you're back. Uh, thank you to Walter Einenkel. Thank you to Jamie Parapato for joining us. And thank you. Did I thank Walter Einenkel for producing the show? Thanks to Walter. So. And thank you for joining us. You can uh, follow along at dailycoast.com. Twitter at Daily Coast. Uh, please like us, subscribe in all your favorite podcast podcast places. And thank you for joining us and listening. And we love you. And please, please, please support these organizations doing great organ- great work on the ground. Love you all. See you next week. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, give us a rating wherever you get your podcast. You can always talk to us at DailyCoast.com or on Twitter at Daily Coast. See you next week.